0: The Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, back in the hot seat from uh, bookmakers.co.uk Towers, which is something I haven't said in a little while. Thank you to Darren Hughes, who ably stepped in, admirably covered the show uh, last week. Uh, expect to hear plenty more from him as we go through the jumps season. Uh, joining me this week, though, Dermot Nolan is here, fresh from his viral fame across Twitter. How are you, Demo?
2: <laughs> I'll go, Dino. How are you?
0: Yeah, good to
1: have you, my friend. And uh, Paddy Aspel is back. Paddy, long time.
0: How are we doing, guys?
1: Super, mate. Super. And uh, delighted to have you back now. The jump season is back underway and the race hour is uh, is, is kicking along. Keen Kirby is also back with us. Keen, you're becoming a little bit of a regular on here. I don't want you getting too big for your boots, but it is good to, to have you on the race hour once again.
3: Cheers. Thanks, Dean. Yeah, glad to be back and looking forward to the weekend's action. Don't
1: sound too enthusiastic, Kian. That's what, I like to, that's what I like to hear. Good to have you with us. Um, okay, lads. So there, there's the the four of us for this week. So it's the normal format of uh, the race out. We, we've we kind of strayed a little bit away from doing long-form reviews now of all the racing from the previous weekend. It wasn't a bad weekend at all, though. Um, I think what we need to kick off with, though, as I kind of alluded to in the intro there, is, uh, Dermo, you finally got the pen out and wrote something. And it uh, seems to have struck a chord across the board. This uh, briny Frost... Um, uh, well, BHA debacle, really. Um, you've written about it on bookmakers.co.uk. Um, why don't you, you kick us off with that? Plenty of the listeners will have read it because it's gone out um, yesterday and been obviously uh, well received in the main. Uh, you take it. You take it away.
2: Yeah, Dean. It, it's just look. It's just a really troubling case, and it boils down to like similar problems we've had in racing now over quite a while. It, it's like a lot of their our main stakeholders in racing they they work so many hours and they work so so long that they don't seem to realize how this looks to the outside world and this briny case it just looks horrific to for everybody concerned i mean the main concern for all for, for anyone that's has kind of missed this is, is that briny frost has raised a bullying complaint against robbie dunn um this seems to have been uh, the full report was leaked to the sunday times and basically in that report it it says everything that robbie has threatened her to put her through a railing robbie has threatened to hurt her and paraded naked in front of the young jockey now again this is all kind of rather unsubstantiated because they couldn't get any jockey to actually um talk about the case which is kind of would be normal enough for a sporting environment like that anyway um across the board but still they they really did plead the fifth and the the, like something that, that i didn't mention in the case in the report team was that young Lorcan Murta was seemed to have been sat in the middle of this um the kind of main bust up between Dunn and Frost and when he was asked to comment he wouldn't say anything but then he ran them back the next day to say to the main investigator will you make sure that you don't put my name on anything I said and the main investigator just went in stitches and said Lorcan you didn't tell me anything what are you talking about you know as in Mm -hmm. like like that's the fear that was in that young jockey that he really did not want to be seen other female jockeys that were asked as part of this report um about Robbie Dunn they had misgivings about him as well but they never they didn't want to go public with it Bryony Frost she's been very brave but my main concern going forward is that for future jockeys if they're bullied they're not going to ever go forward with this I remember uh Kiko Casilla, the old Leeds goalkeeper uh, was accused of racism and it was proven that he actually was and Leeds got rid of him uh this season obviously but the the striker from charlton said that it, it went on so long dean that he said he'd never do it again uh, he'd never if he was racially abused he wouldn't he wouldn't go forward with it again because of the hassle that it caused him and i'd i wonder if brian e. frost and robbie dunn are thinking the same thing now with god we could have sorted this out ourselves um you know 13 months for this case is appalling it's not fair on either jockey and this needs to be said it's not fair on robbie dunn 13 months where a bullying case has been hanging over him um I think the Racing Post comes out of this really poorly with their weird articles where Hayley Turner and Paul Hannigan were writing defending the weighing room and they wouldn't have been next. The weighing uh, room, they weren't in. They weren't in the weighing room, yeah. And then ITV parading out female jockeys um, as a way of discounting briny. But that's like, Dean, that's like uh, me accusing you of bullying and our boss turning around to me and saying, oh, but dear Dermot, Adam down the hallway there, he's a man and he, he wasn't bullied, so you're obviously wrong. Um, you know, like the whole thing it just smacks of a sport that doesn't have a clue where it's going. It doesn't have a clue what it's doing. And was it's very clear that other jockeys don't like her because she's had no support publicly in all of this, justice wasn't designed solely for the popular. As I say in the article, justice is meant to be for everybody. And the fact that horse racing is just allowing this to continue on and on, and the fact that just because she's clearly not a popular jockey, if you saw the amount of likes from fellow female jockeys it did disgust me but horse racing really needs to get with the times this is really troubling and massive parts of our sport clearly don't want to move with the times they want to keep it as it is and I just find it very concerning altogether Um, the whole the whole situation I tried to write about it all but the main concern of mine going forward is that how could anybody talk about bullying again or come forward with bullying in racing when it's been as poorly handled as this Gordon Elliott's situation was very different was handled so quickly by the BHA, um, and yet they've let this run on for 13 months. And just to finish now, because I, I realise I'm talking and talking and talking, is that, um, Dean, this was concluded in April in the report. It says in April they found that Briny Frost was correct in her assertions mm-hmm. and that uh, Robbie Dunn would be would face charges of whatever volition. And yet here we are in November and still nothing has been done the BHA would want to be ashamed of themselves the PJA would want to be ashamed of themselves because they they've very clearly taken Robbie Dunn's side in it that's that's not their job um the the racing post shouldn't be overly happy with their coverage ITV shouldn't be either um I think all of racing has really let down Bryony Frost and we need to get back to the main point being it doesn't matter whether she's liked or not um this has been horrific and she deserves her case to be to be dealt with properly then
1: yeah, and they're still uh, racing against each other as even up to today. I think a couple of really interesting points come out of that. The fact that perhaps it's perceived now that Bryony isn't like to cross racing as a PR vehicle for the sport, um, whether you think sometimes she's overboard or um, overstates you know, the, the the position that she gets in. I mean, you take Froden winning at uh, the weekend and, and previous times where she's won big races. She's a super jockey and she always talks about how great the horse is how wonderful the situation is you get none of these uh one one word answers that some of the more famous yeah. uh, people in the sports might deliver yeah it's great um she doesn't do any of that she absolutely my, um, promotes the sport to the nth degree
2: my father-in-law Dean barely watches racing he watches Cheltenham because he comes to our preview night always and um he follows racing he writes down our picks and he just follows it throughout the week he much of a man. But the, fir- the first thing he said to me last year was, you see that girl, Briony? She's brilliant, isn't she? And mm. um, he knew her on a first-name basis, despite the fact that he couldn't tell you a horse from a, a greyhound. And, mm. um, and he knew her on a first-name basis. She's brilliant for the sport. Stephen Cass had a very impassioned uh, speech last year about it, how um, racing fans were giving her, her a hard time on Twitter when really exactly, um, I she's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, it was a brilliant from Stephen Cass. On the Race Hour podcast, we've always said it, calling her out. Old- over the top could could be fair, but you cannot say that she's not good good for our sport. You know,
1: she's over the top because she's genuine about yes. it. it's not fake. Yes, exactly. And that's sometimes people are over the top and then completely disingenuous. <laughs> yeah. And um, none of that comes comes from her. Um, uh, Paddy, I mean, you you're here, and I don't know. You probably know bits and pieces about everybody's seen what's what's in the media and all that but is there a, is there a dressing room mentality a bit like football with jockeys where things that happen in the dressing room stay in the dressing room we don't talk about them and there's a line been stepped over and that's why there's been huge delays and this kind of pr ramping of everything is well in the world before we make any decisions what's is is that a thing
0: well i suppose it appears a little bit that way doesn't it um look at uh, when you're on the outside everybody's guessing aren't they so you know but you're into everybody's entitled to their opinion and sure i don't know it's 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 a difficult one um i think Bryony's fantastic for racing i don't know her personally and yeah look she's enthusiastic maybe people inside the game would think she's OTT but you know i, I think she's very engaging and she really catches people's attention and she yeah. appears to love her horses and you know she always gives a good mention to everybody involved you know down the line um, I'd agree with Dermo. There's no doubt. There seems to be maybe plenty of people who who, who wouldn't be your biggest fans. Which I don't know. For me, I think jealousy is an awful thing in racing because I think if it was somebody who really didn't ride many winners or weren't that successful, and they they maybe popped out of the woodwork and said they were being bullied, they'd they'd probably have more support behind them than what Brian's had. But a lot of people don't like success. Um, for other people, unfortunately, that's that's just life in general. Um, yeah. Like I say, I don't really know either of them um, very well at all. But it it's dragged on far too long. There's no doubt it's not good for racing, and I'm sure it's it's hanging over both riders. You know, both very talented. You know, and, and good to see Robbie Dunn back today again um, with a winner. Actually, we spoke about it, both him and and Bryony fighting out the finish of the the opener at at Ludlow. You know, two sure. fantastic jockeys. I just hope, you know, the the PJ have been very critical of, of the length of time that the BHA have gone about all this. And But look, I think the BHA, you've got to remember as well, they've probably been hindered by the lack of people that have come forward to help them. So mm, actually yeah. trying to put a case together for the BHA looks to me, it appears to have been quite difficult because if they want to bring some charges against Robbie Dunn, they're really lacking evidence because nobody's willing to come forward.
1: Um- it's very difficult on hearsay to do anything, and I appreciate that. Um, the, the, the main crux of this, Paddy, is the time it's taken, though, isn't it? You mentioned that they may have had problems getting it together, but something of that, of the, of the, you know, the, the strength of the claims and the things that have been said now, if it was dealt with in a you know, reasonable period, I don't know what that is, four, five, six weeks, eight weeks, if it was dealt with and done with, these people would be getting on with their jobs now. Or or not or face whatever crimes and charges they've had to face it and they'd be getting on with it. But this is why it's a debacle.
0: Yeah, and I think it's grown real legs that probably weren't necessary, and it snowballed, snowballed to an extent where you know it was it was unnecessary, but. You know, it, I think it is a bit of a two-sided coin. As regards, they were maybe trying to get as strong a case as they could because these are pretty serious allegations. So, yeah. you know, they had to have a good, strong case if they were going to do anything. You know, with, uh, as regards Robbie Dunn because you know this would have serious detriment on his writing career. So, I think there's plenty involved. Um, you know, but there's no doubt it's it's it hasn't been good racing and then i would like to see it get get sorted out pretty quick um you know because there the, are two people who can offer an awful lot to the sport and you know it, it, it's not just one of these oh look well, let's just sweep it under the carpet and move on let's deal with it and move on um yes you know it, it's it's happened something has certainly happened it's not been pulled out of thin air but but would certainly be be far happier and everybody else as well if it was dealt with and just sort of get back to the more positive aspects of of national racing.
1: totally right and um i think it feels like now the carpet has been lifted the broom is already out we just don't know how much we're sweeping under it and they're already at it and uh that's that's what's disappointing that's what came across from dermo's article uh to me i haven't read it and um I advise people who haven't read it give it a check out on uh bookmakers.co.uk just check out demos twitter of course it's all it's all on there. Um, look, we should move on and talk about some horses. Uh, Keen, I've left you out of this uh, debate as much as I think, um, you know, everyone's going to have an opinion on this. Let's talk about some actual national hunt flesh. Uh, you were on the pod, of course, um, last week and talked about a few nice horses, one of which I was really interested in actually how it was going to get on at the weekend, but bumped into a rejuvenated soaring uh, glory was Boot Hill. You must have been reasonably happy with that one, but is there anything else from the weekend that you thought you might pick apart, Kean?
3: Um, yeah, obviously, Boothill was um, well punted, but I suppose this point, possibly needed the run, so it might be one for um, next A little semis. bit rusty. Yeah, definitely, might have needed the run. Um, just two from Sunday that uh, really caught the eye. Um, the first race at Carlisle, horse called Bray Hill, was uh, leading the race coming up to the last. He actually ran out. Um, the two horses that finished first and second are decent horses, so I think he'll be winning races uh, very soon. Bray Hill. And then mm-hmm. on the same day at Cork, um, Cape Gentleman has really... Uh, already developed into a serious uh chaser he's won his two novice chase absolutely bolted up so um he looks like he'll go for a grade one at leopard center christmas and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on against the kind of the better horses. he's a brilliant
2: trainer keen isn't he um Emmett. He, he is, he's been yeah. known as this kind of puntering or, you know he lands punts but he lands races with all sorts i mean that that that, that crown major that won the first um japanese bred maiden hurdle winner you know like yeah. it's um really he just, know, just he
3: knows what he's doing doesn't he
2: he really knows what he's doing, yeah. yeah. Um, so
3: and yeah, it'll a gentleman be in see that, how he in in on.
1: That, Yeah, will be, because that was, what, grade three level? We did grade three, yeah. I mean, he did, he destroyed uh, the lights of Blueberry, and I think Ron Wild Fred actually might have got for second in that. Um, but yeah, so he he's a remarkable man, and they will land a few punts, but they've got horses now that can also compete at the higher level, where landing punts isn't important, it's winning the prizes. And, um, and, f- and fair play to him, he's obviously... Uh, a man going places but that's nothing new um i had a couple from um previous podcasts actually a couple of weeks ago when i was talking about zanza and uh, galahad quest galahad quest i thought ran a monster race and um, for a first time back at Weatherby on Friday behind the lights of good boy Bobby. And I thought it was coming to win the race at a huge price at one point, but there are bigger targets ahead for that five-year-old. Do keep an eye. It might go in a Paddy Power uh, Gold Cup, potentially, although I think it's a big ask for a five-year-old. And we mentioned Froden already on this. It would be Froden-esque uh, to go and do that with a Galahad quest. And Zanzo ran in the Holden Gold Cup uh, from out the handicap and has run into two nice sorts there. Just jumped a little bit iffy. Either not a great jumper or needed uh, to get the rustiness out of them. I think Sansa can still pick up a nice pot. Uh, Dermo, I'll come to you.
2: Um, yeah, kind of. I just, just a few, just to rattle through quite quickly before, because I'm interested to hear Paddy's opinion on the Shan Blue. I oh, was uh, saving Shan Blue
1: for Paddy. That's it, exactly, indeed. yeah,
2: so yep. I'm not going near that. Um, American Mike looks another one of these Gordon Elliott bumper, just superstars, uh, was really good at Down Royal on Saturday um the Ladbrokes champion chase the aforementioned race that we mentioned already um of course obviously uh Briany won on Friday Frodon uh I thought Manella, Indo he looked like he was really not the fat shame of the poor horse but he he looked properly <laughs> out of, he looked he looked properly out of shape and he um and he that was a very big run I thought for him uh, going forward Henry de Bromhead has left a bit on his horse as he always does around this time of the year and he he's a very good uh target trainer going forward and then of course uh just Envoy allen as well was absolutely great to see him back and really interesting to see what what way he goes dean because you think he should go for the gold cup and i'd i'd personally love to see him in a a champion chase bowling along like he was uh he was at the weekend but um i give
1: i give the champion chase as much prestige as it deserves and it would be second on the list but if you have a horse like Envoy allen and you don't go for the gold cup then uh i think you're you're messing around. Really. You have a horse that can do it. You've got to do it, right? Champion chase is there the following year. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, of course. yeah, and uh, yeah, I go for it. That Frodon uh, victory, though, apart from being obviously a very good ride, and the the, the the thing is that Paul Nichols just came over and went right. We'll take on the Gold Cup winner. We'll take on uh, the next the next uh, big thing in Galvin. We'll have a look at Delta Work, and uh, we'll make you all come and catch us. And that's what I love about racing. Sometimes they went and they went for it and uh, and got it done. Fair play to them
2: and Paul Nichols as well Dean he's uh yep. he did this a a punch as well when understandably a lot of the UK trainers would have been kind of you know after getting a hiding at Cheltenham would have been scared he brought That's over Klanders, he brought over both to win the uh the gold cup and now he's he's basically targeted that horse as this was his gold cup he's he's just I I love how bullish he is I love how argumentative he is how he takes them all on and he absolutely you can imagine him rubbing his hands on the way home after taking that that grade one from the Irish trainers and I just I love that about Paul Nichols. I really do.
1: Exactly. When you get, you know, the the skeletons of this world complaining that they get easy, uh, easy grade ones to go and pick up all the time, you've got to send something to go and race them. So then go ahead. There you go. Get it done. I thought it was impressive, um, and I thought it was a really good race actually. And, and a lot of people will still be holding Galvin in, in high regard for stepping up to this level. Seems like it's it's nearly he's nearly got there already. Um, right? Let's yeah, come he on was to, fit though, wasn't he? Oh, sorry,
2: sorry. Just, just yeah. Before you move on, that that yeah. Galvin though, the one thing is, I'd be very wary of taking him forward. He he was properly fit for that race. He'd have raced beforehand. Um, so sure. So I'd be kind of him not getting the job done now. Uh, uh,
1: well they've gone through me. the yeah they've got they've gone through the ranks, and uh now they've got a pitch in this company, so yeah you know they're left to find a little bit more still, but you know it's not beyond them. that horse was a winning machine until bumping into Frodo on there at the weekend right let's talk about um about Blue and uh Fusa raffles, of course, eventually picking up the pieces uh, Paddy I've, I've saved you the it's definitely the most talked about race after the weekend. And, uh, and what happened with, with Chamblou. For me, this was the second time it's happened with Shamble. And, and unfortunately now, I think um, Dan has confirmed, you know, give, him, give the horse a break now until the spring, um, that was a pretty it was obviously going to be the result of a tough race, although he was cantering uh, away in front. Uh, what did you make of the contest, Paddy?
0: Yeah, well, well, first of all, it was good to see him get up, because yep. how many times have we seen horses take just that sort of fall, um, you know, the way he's gone over on his neck, and we we were lucky to still have the horse, and you know that was a point that Dan Skelton made. He said we might be missing a trophy out of the cabinet, but w- we've still got Chamblue. Um You know, so he he recognised how how lucky the horse was. Um, I think if you look back to earlier on the card um, when Harry won the he won on Molly, Molly on, Ollie's wishes, Molly Ollie's wishes in the listed race. Yeah, yeah. He, he gave that mare. A carbon copy ride. Agreed. Um, don't get me wrong. This was over hurdles and she stood on her feet. But Harry Skelton with me. I actually wrote an article as well the other day on, on this Shamblue incident. Harry Skelton, because I'm such a big fan of him, obviously I pay quite close attention to him quite a lot. Yeah. Very, very rarely looks behind when he's in front. Um, he might now and again have a look between his legs, but very, very rarely. He's just not a jockey who does that. He's not his style. Once he sets out both him and, and Dan, they seem to have, you know, they have a plan, they stick to it. If it if if, if it works, brilliant. If it doesn't, they just move on. Um mm. and 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 that's the way they operate. But where the the ride he gave Molly all his wishes was exactly the same. He's got straightened up and he's center. Uh, once he could hear them because you can always hear jockeys in behind slap 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 you know you're turning the screw and at that point if you feel you've got a bit of horse underneath you you put your foot further down on the gas because you know if you've got them on the stretch yeah by the time you land on the line the light is going to be on and you're going to be needing the line but generally the damage is done and they're not going to get you um I talked with Shan Blue the other day, it was carbon copy, same thing. He's jumped the first in the straight, fine. Going down to the third last. Now, Shan Blue, from what we've seen so far, is a horse who can really operate. He's a good jumper. When a good jumper hits the deck, generally they've got to get it catastrophically wrong. Um, it's not like, oh, a silly little thing and they'll knuckle over or, or just, you know, j- 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 just just top over. But when they fall, unfortunately they hit the deck bad. Um now the other day, Harry didn't he didn't send him. Yeah, he'd made the decision off the home turn to inject the, the the pace into the race and and string the field out. But going to the third last, he didn't do anything, which you know we see Ruby do so much. And I know Ruby got plenty of criticism about horses falling at the last, but that's because Ruby was in contention so much. Mm. You know the, the 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 stats were going to be there. He was going to get more falls at the last because. He's in front at the last more than a lot of jockeys, but at that third last, I didn't think Harry done anything. He didn't break his jaw and he didn't ask him. The horse simply changed his mind. It was just a rare, rare error, and he got it badly, badly wrong, and that's why he's ended up taking such a bad toss. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it wasn't; it was horse error, not jockey. Um, I mean, the race was in the bag. It was just one of them things. It was heartbreaking to watch, but for me. I don't think Harry done an awful lot wrong. If he if if he hadn't have even looked and he'd have absolutely asked him up off, off two strides out, you would have said, God, Harry, you, you had plenty of petrol left. You didn't need to do that. He didn't actually do anything. The horse just didn't make up his mind one way or the other. And unfortunately, the first thing to hit the fence was his chest. Uh, mm. So he did. He just last second changed his mind and it was, you know, uh, the inevitable. But no i didn't put that one down to harry duban I'm, I'm not just jockey defending here i think the the an experienced horse who's been round some big tracks he just got it wrong on the day and, and unfortunately they, they they left a good prize behind him
1: they did. And uh, like Shamble would be the kind of horse I'd trust to get me around somewhere because of the way he jumps. And like, I, I, I wouldn't sit on the, I probably wouldn't sit on the horse the right way. He's that good. So uh, one of those things that happens and t- totally unfortunate for them, but they've, they've already come out and fair play to them saying that the, the break will be had now. And we'll see Shan back in the spring. If he comes back in that kind of form, the guy is is still the limit with that horse such a good jumper as well last year and whilst i think maybe the cheltenham run was slightly more of a of a jockey era perhaps listening to paddy there than this one was and it's unfortunate for them, but they keep the prize which is the horse of course uh, there was one other race on that day actually that i think is worth talking about paddy i might just stick with you because i know you're such a, a fan of paisley park um it, you know it didn't quite go to plan for him what a favorite for that um for the West Yorkshire Herd or the Grade 2 on that card. And it was um, Paul Weber's horse, the indefatigable, that came through to win.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think it would be very rude to underestimate Paul Weber's horse on his day. Very, yeah. very good, indefatigable. And, you know, I'd been very well-placed um, as well because was actually, this mare was coming off the, the back of a win on the level at Pontefract in proper winter conditions. And, you know, it's been very, very well-placed. And she has been a credit to connections because so far, um, you know, she, she's run on the all weather, and as I say, she won from one on the turf and got a pretty good strike rate over hurdles as well. And no, it was, it was a good prize on the day. I thought with, with Paisley, um, I mean, he traveled, you know, okay, he was a little bit casual at one or two with hurdles, he just wasn't really getting away from the back of them as quick as what he normally did. But the, the thing what I thought, you know, I thought once he jumped the third last, I thought, God, he's going to get well beat here. But in fairness, he did respond to Aidan Coleman and he sort of kind of got his finger out from two out, looked for two strides only going to the last. Like he might still have, some sort of a shout but in the end he's gone for his girths and gotten a little bit tired and you know but he was beaten five lengths and wasn't disgraced in any way I mean he's nine year old now Paisley Park exactly yeah those have got to remember that I mean he was in against younger legs I know our winner is, is is eight year old um but yeah I mean look it was pleasing it'd be just interesting to see if he can if he can step up on it it's whether
1: that fire can come back, I think last year it was there in in fits and spurts with Paisley Park, and none of these uh, now shake up the Stayers picture for me. Keen, a, a final word on perhaps that race or, or anything else from the weekend, if there was any. Uh, would you be as a Time Hill fan? As I know you are, would you be scared of what happened in in that race for Stayers?
3: No, uh, definitely not. I think Paisley Park, as you said there, he's he's a bit hot and cold at the moment. You might get him, he might be a good one day, and then next day he's not so good. But um. I think, yeah, a couple of young horses coming through, like maybe you said, Time Hill. I don't think um, Paisley Park has a huge amount of improvement left in him, so I think uh, the Stayers' Hurdle might just be out of his reach this year.
1: Yeah, could be, and it'd be interesting to see what they do. Demo, they did say they might go Jason with, with Paisley Park. Is it too late?
2: Yeah, Dean, I absolutely, I, I, I abhor... As you know, horses going chasing that late. Uh, I just Sam Spinner and these horses. Yeah, they'll they'll win a beginner's chase or two, but they're never going to be a proper factor. I I think it's just it's too late. Paddy can tell me I'm talking shite here now, but I just think it's uh, it is far far too late. Um, in the day to be going after something like that, you know.
1: Paddy, if they rang you up and said Paisley Park's going for a beginners uh, next week, would you would you put the boots back on?
0: Well, you'd wonder maybe I suppose because of the 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 heights he'd gotten to over hurdles, there was no need for him really to jump a fence. Exactly, after. that's why it got delayed. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, and I mean, if you look down to his record for a horse who's nine year old, he's run seventeen times. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's got absolutely mountains of of miles on the clock. I mean, he's he's by he's by Oscar out representing mayor. I mean, that just screams fences, doesn't it? But there's no <laughs> doubt he he is going to have. Is, is 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 cribbers if they see him jumping fences as a nine-year-old but i think he's a clever old lad he's not going to kill himself so you know i, I don't think he's really in any danger from what i've seen of him do his technique over hurdles he'll know how to get made to be and top and bottom of it is if he doesn't like it we'll soon know about it and, and they'll scrap that idea so yeah it'd be interesting to see what they decide
1: yep yep i'd be interested to see i i don't mind it if the horse is still up for it i mean finishing third down a grade two um you know shows there is some fire there, just not quite the paisley park of before okay i think we're through unless anyone has anything else which i don't think they do we're through our first section of the podcast today on the race i brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk when we come back there is action from aintree and win canton there's um a little bit of uh, breeders cup as well. I guess we could go there. If you're all into the the stateside action showbiz more than racing for me, but you can find a few winners there. If you can uh, navigate all the obvious pitfalls of it. And we'll take a look at the rest of the weekend and a few naps for you. So we'll be back after this. You're listening to the race hour podcast
0: brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news, and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of The Race Hour.
1: Hello and welcome back to The Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan. Uh, King Kirby is here, Pally Aspel is here, and um, Dermot Nolan is here. and um, It's a bit of action from... Aintree and Canton first up for discussion um, in the second half of the show. Demo, uh, that race, uh, the Badger Beers, what did that used to be called?
2: I, <laughs> I was going to reference this myself. This was the Badger Ales, wasn't it? When I first met Yay! you, I, I called it, was it the Badger Alice? I
1: called it. <laughs> It's, uh, for for years on this podcast, for the people that have been with us since, I don't know whenever we kick this off, demo has always got to this weekend and told us who was going to win the Badger Alice Chase, and uh, unfortunately, this is the first year ever we can't do that. We, we, can. we will get to that race.
2: Last <laughs> last year was the Badger Years as well, I think, wasn't it? But the uh, oh. which, uh whenever I read this race, I always just just laugh mad That and. uh That and when I called it Towchester as well once as well didn't they?
1: Yeah, you haven't got (laughs) as bad as um, Haddock or anything like
2: that.
0: No, no, no. no. (laughs) Anyway, okay. Badger Alice, it sounds like an (laughs)
2: ex-girlfriend, (laughs) Irma. And you know, Paddy, by my record, it could (laughs) have (laughs) been.
1: <laughs> All right, no, let's let's get down to work here. The, uh, the, the first race from um, entry we're going to talk about is a uh, three-mile Hafen on Per Temps uh, qualifier job. And you know, the, the story with this race, Keen, as I'm sure you're well aware, and everyone else is, uh, not everyone is trying to finish first, but everyone is trying to finish somewhere up near the front end. And uh, the market, there's a horse I really like in here is Pilean for Philip Hobbs and Ben Jones, but the market looks like it's going to be headed by South Terrace, who's in banging form for Doctor Richard Newland.
3: Yeah, trappy little races. I think it's about five to one in the field. Exactly. Um, the one I came down on actually was a horse I followed over fences last year, was was um, remastered. He actually um, won a graded race, and over fences, he's rated 146. Now he gets in on Saturday off 133. Three. So um, if he's ready to rock, I think that's a that's a decent uh, each way bet. Now, obviously, the market will guide you a bit better than I will. Like this might be a pipe run for a chase campaign, or this might actually be a. You know he might be uh, laid out for a race, so I thought at eight to one he was the um, he was the pick for me. But um, it's a, it's a very very difficult race to to uh, get a grip There's on. There's really. all
1: sorts of things going on in a race like this because this could be like get into a nice qualifying position, then go chasing and see what happens, and come back if you need to. And th- that that happens in these types of races. So yeah, it's a good point. The market will tell us a bit more keen as you say. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, demo. Uh, did you take a look at this? And uh, do you know, any any of your old cliff horses in here, or something that uh, caught your eye in terms of uh, planning?
2: Yeah. Usually, I have a cliff horse in every race, but uh, no. Um... I call him Pylon. Is it Pylon, Dean, or, or what way does it... Um, well, Pylon
1: think. makes more sense than what I called it. So <laughs> yeah, Pylon. I
2: thought it was Pylon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All your beauty, the Badger, Alice, and you can't pronounce the horse's name. But anyway, um, this is, <laughs> this, this, I think he's one of the best handicap horses in training at the moment, actually, Dean. This, this um, is my point, yeah. This yeah, is like he's, he's six yeah. pounds lower than when he was a short-head second to Indefatible at Cheltenham in 2019. Uh, we've all seen what she's gone on to do since. And like, the she always... He was obviously one hundred and thirty eight that day. One hundred and thirty two now. Uh, the yard has been in dire straits for two years. The yard looks in much better form now, um, and this horse needs to, needs a win to even think about Cheltenham in March. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, one hundred and thirty two. He's not getting into anything. Um, so de- de- there's an awful lot in his favour, and at five to one, the money's already come from. But I think five to one is a great price because in these races. As you know, uh, in fairness to Keen remastered as well. He's another one. There's there's no reason why he, he wouldn't be trying here. So that's a very fair shout. But I think Pylon, there's there's an awful lot to to him here. And uh, Ben Jones, excellent jockey. And uh, Philip Hobbs in great form. Dean, yeah, he's hovering around him now. Being my best bet um, of the season so far.
1: Oh dear, oh dear, because it's mine. Um, that's that's a shame. Um, but yeah, and I was trying to make it sound. I was trying to make it sound sexier by calling it Pylon. But uh, pylon just makes more sense. Paddy, uh, do you want to take us on?
0: Yeah, I think you're bang on, though, Dino, as regards these these pertence races. They're very, very hard to predict. Um, they're often races that are worth looking over a few times because, you know, just to see where horses are finishing and, and how hard of a time they're having. But form-wise, they are difficult maybe to get an angle on. I thought maybe, although Henry Daly hasn't had many runners this time around, it was interesting to see if he'd have any joy at Ludlow today, as local track. But I thought Rapper was interesting. Wouldn't be in a real habit of sort of getting behind too many of Scorpion's offspring. But I can't knock this chap too much. Mm. Um, I mean, the only thing is we've not seen him um, for over a year now, but he has been very, very lightly raised. I think he's quite talented, this horse. The last time we did see him was actually over Fences, at this track last year, where although finishing fourth, he wasn't beaten very far, and I thought he would have gone pretty close on there for a very bad mistake just before they turned in. But Rapper, if he was fit and ready to go, which would be a good effort by Henry Daly, but the fact of the matter is, because we don't really know how forward some of these horses are going to be and how, how much of a hard time they'd be given, maybe you mightn't have to be very, very straight to win on Saturday. So I'd probably take a mm. chance with Rapper
1: yeah okay and uh, you mentioned that race at aintree that ran in uh, in october last year's been out for 377 days so it would be a big uh task to get him back and ready to go but uh, i think there's nibbles for it and that was behind ac milan which is a, a, a smart horse a horse i like a lot um rapper then is the the other shout for that 108 um at aintree i hate those race times 108 but anyway remastered the other one and uh, me and dermo uh, piling on and piling on <laughs> how's that um okay we move yeah. to the 150 at Paddy, I'll come to you first. Uh, Brave Man's game is 9-4 to four on for this after beating Fouza Raffles the last day uh, at Newton Abba. Every inch of this horse screams uh, Superstar Chaser. It uh, looked that way on the, the first go. It, I, ugh, that price, I don't really back horses at 9-4 to four on, but that looks valued despite the fact that Nichols will take it on with Mick Pasta. Dan Skelton looks like they'll run Favre. And uh, there are three other horses in this field. Uh, Brave Man game, he, he was impressive, wasn't he, last day?
0: He was, for sure. Sure, he's just a fine, big-looking individual, isn't he? And I mean to say, he's he's six-year-old. Um, still very, very low mileage, this chap. This will just be, um, I think, his eighth or ninth start on the rules. But yeah, I couldn't fault his technique at all um, jumping last time. And it, it's just fantastic because we don't get it enough in this country of good horses from same stables taking each other on and other stables. It just doesn't happen enough even in, you know, let alone on the big days, but in the prep races here, which is what Nichols is doing with McPastor and, and Brave Man's game. and I mean, there's only two pound between the pair. Mm. Um, you know, McPastor, he's still up and coming, only a five-year-old. The excellent Lorca Williams, he's already been in winning action today. I think he's pretty pretty close to losing his claim as well, Lorca Williams. He's got plenty of experience. He's very talented. And although Brave Man's game sets a very, very good standard, McPastor... He's got more experience. He's been round some big, big tracks. He's been in handicap company. He's carried top weight to victory. You know, he's no back number. Um, obviously, he's got he's got more to do here. Um, but I, I think, although he at four to nine, uh brave man's game, d- deserved favourite. I think Mick Pastor is a cracking bet at six to one. Simply, um, with a real jumping test ahead of him here, it'll be the biggest jumping test for both of them at Wing Canton um, and Mick Pastor with the experience on his side, good lad on board in Rock and Williams. Um, you know, he, although he's getting the leg up for the first time, he'll have sat on his horse a million times at home. So no worries there. So I'd probably go for the value bet here and take, take the saber made on with, with Mick Pastor.
1: Love that Paddy. i really didn't expect anyone to take on Braves man game, but I completely get the, uh, the angle there and Nichols running two good ones against each other at this stage to, to really um get going. Taking a leaf out of the Irish book there, Dermo. This happens in
2: Ireland a lot. It happens in Ireland a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh happens quite a bit your sure min and Jack and persuas, etc. Um but it's uh <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh very, very interesting. I just had it down as just Brave Man Game wins. I didn't put any effort in, but no, I'll probably follow Paddy now on that.
1: Um but Well the six to one does scream at you. You'd love another couple of runners, wouldn't you, Key? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I suppose yeah. If there was um, eight runners. It'd be a bad each way race, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, I was on the podcast last week to, um, talking Brave Man's up game up for the Festival Novice Chase. So I'm not going to go against That's him right. here. Um, yeah, I think with Paul Nichols, like his record with saying even we saw it with on at the weekend, just his record with staying chasers is um, phenomenal. Like Cato Star, and all them give him a horse with any bit of ability, and he'll turn it into a, a very good top class ch- uh, chase. And I think Brave Man's game will be. Uh, Another one to add to the list. I think obviously I we'll would be playing at short odds, but the bet to have here would be to back him for the uh, the festival novices chase at around twelve to one. There. I think that's a
1: good show. Yeah, absolutely uh, can see that. I mean, Mick Pastor has to go a little bit further than normal, and Brave Man Games probably going a bit shorter than will prove ideal. So there is you know chinks in there for them both to answer. I, it's fascinating to watch, and I do hope the Brave Man's game comes through um with um. You know, with some flying colours here, but Mick Pastor is no back number, as Paddy says. Fair play, uh, can't argue with that. Let's move to two fifteen at Aintree, and um, this one is the the Sefton, the Betway Grand Sefton, um, over the Grand National fences, of course. And, uh, Dan, I'll let you go first. Here, sometimes you find something a little bit exciting in these races, so I'm I'm interested to see what you think.
2: I yeah, I love um, God. I'm far from alone in this, but the the Grand National fences at Aintree is just. It's just absolutely unreal. I remember God rest his soul, Dean Treadwell, um, going close, and it's a few times when I used to just basically follow him blind. And I just, yeah, I absolutely adore these races because Dean Treadwell, as I said, God rest his soul, was something else over these uh, Grand National fences. Even I know he won a Mon Moan, but even after that, he was he was just sublime over them. So it's uh, did you, these are races I absolutely love. But uh, senior citizen, I thought Dean is just extremely interesting. I know he's six to one, and I know you'll find a few bigger prices here but he just screams to me as a like a winner and waiting for a race like this Um, he's had his warm-up for this race i know he went up five pounds but still that just wouldn't concern me a whole pile because off 137 um at entry last season um, here over these fences in the top of him, he was third behind live love laugh so that's only off um off two pounds lower obviously and he's had his warm-up uh, he's won off off that race uh, we know he loves the fences and he jumped really well that day as well he he really came alive for it if you remember that race back live love laugh just laughed at them like just literally ran away from them under patrick mullen so um there was kind of very little he could do he couldn't peg peg that horse back on the day but um off a price of kind of six to one best price i believe uh yeah six to one best price um i know they're they're sexier prices but i don't think there's, there's a sexier profile in this race and off a mark of 139 if um if connections uh, the mcneil family do fancy uh spin around the, the the main race a mark of 139 won't be enough for senior citizens so i can see that they they, they more than likely will be one of the few going all out because again like a pretense race sometimes these grand sefton's um horses aren't particularly going all out to win them at times because obviously you know you don't want to ruin your your grand national mark so the likes of a spyglass hill the likes of a time to get up they might end up looking after their marks somewhat um and cat tiger again as brilliant and as much of a legend as mr david maxwell is i'd be very wary backing him in a uh, fox hunters let alone something like this and again i'm not i'm really not criticizing in that it's just you have to be be careful so heskin alan king and uh, senior citizen i think it's a, a cracking bet
1: Okay, senior citizen for demo. It's going to be some spin round for David Maxwell. I don't know if he's had a go actually around the ancient fences. He but has, he yeah. He was third oh, in the
2: well. he was third the fox hunters last year. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay, of course. Yeah, did okay. a few go on this horse? Yeah, he on was Cat t- Tiger. Yeah,
0: yeah. Third t- 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 on this chap, wasn't
2: he? Yeah.
0: Um, Would you fancy
1: him to go a couple of spots better this time round, um Paddy, so clearly a talented seven year old?
0: Yeah, I mean that that was a cracking run in behind um cousin Pascal in the in the in the fox hunters because same thing again, he was there traveling lovely and he absolutely busted the the fourth last out of it. and you know Dave sent him on two outs and we, you know we know it's such a such a long way, and they got to him at the elbow and you know he just got tired uh, up the running, but it was a hell of a run. Um, to be honest and he is a horse with plenty of experience now seeing Dave Maxwell limbering up at, at Newbury earlier on not he's not been in action much at all has he so far but I think this is a pretty talented horse I mean look if you are going to invest uh, uh, at times it, it won't be a pleasant watch I think we know that but this horse is very very capable and I think if Dave just bites his tongue and just lets the horse do the jump and takes his time and just rides him to finish. I think Cat Tiger, is only a seven-year-old, Um, this boy, and he's very, very capable. It'd be interesting to see how forward he is and ready to go after 165 days. But coming from the Nichols camp, I don't think there'll be any real issues there. But just, you know, once they turn in, I'd love to see Dave Maxwell just in his head sort of count to 10 and, and, and just wait. Because I think if he does, he'll have a cracking chance here.
1: One of the hardest things in racing that is to do, from uh, just as an armchair viewer, is when uh, when the jockey is sitting on something, not to not to let them go, and it must be even harder as uh, for for someone like David Maxwell who gets you know limited opportunities and is riding his own horse. You'd want to just hit that, uh, put the foot on the pedal, as you say, Paddy. Uh, Keen, try and solve this for me.
3: Yeah, it's a brilliant uh, spectacle. This race, um, I found it hard to get away from uh, time to get up. I know he's at the top in America, but He's been the, the gamble of the race. I think he was sixteen to one anti post He's five to one now. Um, he's really unexposed. He's only had seven runs, four over fences. Um, he's won his last two races, and um, he actually ran at this meeting first and out last year, and he finished he placed. I uh, came third out. ran his odds of 18 to one. So I think. Uh, at five twenty could you he could keep getting shorter and he could be one just to keep going through the handicap this year. So um yeah, I know he's at the top of America, but uh he's the pick for me in this.
1: If you didn't go there, Keen, I was gonna go there because that win over Mighty Thunder at Utoxter in the in the Midlands National was it it almost looked like he only really woke up towards the end and got yeah. going. I think there's there's mountains left. Yeah, he looks like a really big...
3: well handicapped horse, doesn't he?
1: i mean, think what they put him up six pounds it probably well it won't be enough um now this mm-hmm. race is not an easy race to win but uh, and he's obviously it's a shorter trip so maybe it won't be um it won't be a test of stamina enough but if they've got if they, if they laid their cards down then this is where they're going so i get you on that and i think if you hadn't got there i would i would have definitely gone there okay that is the um the sefton why don't we move back over to win canton uh not a race i would have too much uh interest in on in a normal uh run of affairs, but it's the Richard Barber Memorial mayors, uh the handicap there. And uh, Fergal O'Brien, who's in uh, rock and form, has Une de la Seigneur, I think it is pronounced. And uh, Rose of Arcadia is in there for Colin Tissard, also going very, very well. And of course, Nichols has got Eglatine de soy these days. That's in the race. Kian, why don't you go first on the on the mayors Handicap?
3: Uh, this race, I'm actually going to sit out. I couldn't, uh, I'd only be guessing if I was uh, to put up one. So I'll leave this one to Dermot and Paddy.
1: We agreed on the previous race. We agree on this one. As well, yeah. I
2: think I, I would be sitting this one out
1: as well. But it is—it's on the box, Demo. What do you have?
2: Uh, no, I'm—I'm I'm sitting there. so sort of, <laughs> This out as well. We probably should have talked about this in our. I feel like we should have discussed this in advance. session <laughs>
1: yeah. Exactly. We should have discussed this in advance. But, Hopefully, you know, Paddy has one.
2: Please God, yeah.
1: There's, there's no point expelling hot air for the sake of it. Paddy, you go ahead.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, it's 5-1 in the field, to be honest, lads. So th- there's a bit no of value man. to be had. I thought there was a couple here at bigger prices were worth looking at. Um, Kiss for Katie, round about 9-1. to one. I mean, to say they're 6 or 7 in, in the betting, they're not massive prices, but yeah, one at the track. Jeremy Scott, same sort of comment applies, not had many runners so far, but she's very, very consistent, this mare, by Jeremy. And the other one for a stable who really is on fire is Anthony Honeyball's Beldeminesh. Um, the grey mare a bit further down the the weights. They've done her wind. She's another one who has won at the track, and her overall profile isn't too bad, and she's only a five-year-old. So I thought they were two at bigger prices. But no matter what sort of way um, your pin drops here, you're going to get a bit of value because it's five to one the field because it's so open.
1: Yeah, yeah. A race um, definitely for um, watching from my side, although there could be a nice one in there, just not sure which one it might be just yet, but then that's racing, isn't it? What about the three o'clock at Canton then? And Dem, I won't come to you first because they changed the name. Otherwise, I would have definitely <laughs> done that. Um, pa- 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 Paddy, I'm going to go to you first for the 60th Badger Beer Handicap Chase. Um, this looks like a belter.
0: Yeah, cracking Race. Um, I'll be honest. I was surprised to see how short Captain Ord was. Um, He's just a horse. You you guys will know I was a big fan of him last year because you know his early season form was just so rock solid. But I think he he sort of his his mark he's he'd reached um you know sort of he, he'd maxed everything out of 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 his mark. Just a great training performance really by mm. Christian Williams. But I mean he is back down to one three five now. And he's got Jack Tudor back on because, I mean, he was absolutely beaten out of sight the last time we've seen him. But obviously, because the form has been average enough of late, is mark is Marcus starting to reflect that. Um I mean, that start reappearance when Nick Schofield brought him, that was off one three eight, but he was well beat. Um, and just good to see Jack back on him here again. But, you know, last season once he got to sort of 130 ish, they reach for the cheap pieces. Then they went, they sent him to France, put the blinkers on him. Um so they looked like they've gone back to basics again here. Let put nothing on him the last day. And interesting. He, he could bounce back, but he's he's got to um tomorrow. So for me, i I was probably gonna be with Emma Lavelle's Horse here. Irish prophecy He's another horse who looked like he took a few runs, but the way he got the job done the last day, he absolutely tore them apart. Um, had the race sewn up a good way out. And although he's not won for Thomas Bellamy, that would be the only negative. Ben Jones gets a real good tune out of his son of Asimor. Uh Tom Bellamy has ridden him and stable jockey. He's back on tomorrow. So maybe he can, he can put that stat right, but now pretty competitive stuff, but this will be as, as we know, a fair war of attrition because they um they set about each other from a good a good way home and you've got to stay but most importantly, win Canton you've got to jump.
1: Yeah, you have to. Absolutely, well said. I was thought that you know Nichols save one uh, for this or line this one up early on and he's got Highland Hunter in there which will probably be of interest to the two lads. But I'm I'm with you there, Paddy. I thought Irish Prophecies win uh, Win Canton was totally eye catching. He's gone up a few pounds, thoroughly deserved. Horse in form now after those few runs and Tommy Bell's going back in the plate. For Emma Lavelle, I wouldn't look too much further than that for for a value punt in it. But Nichols normally gets something for this. Kian, I'll go to you.
3: Yeah, I did have a look at that um, Irish prophecy as well. He was impressive last time out. But um, the one I came down on was um, some chaos at uh, 10 to 1. He won his um, seasonal reappearance um, very handily at Chepstow. Um, He also ran well in this race last year. And he has some uh, decent form around Wincanton on good ground. So I think at the the ten to one mark, he's uh he's a good show, but it's a it's a wide open betting affair as you'd expect.
1: Oh yeah, it's super competitive and um the market will probably won't tell you too much. There'll be a few people who like various different horses in here. Uh demo, go for the, the badger beer handicap chase.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of um of this race as we know and the right pronunciation of it. Um but of all the gin joints really interests me here. Um Colin Tizard's stable—they—they—they they, they had a stinking two seasons, really. They—they they just couldn't get, couldn't raise a gallop. They—they kind of have a few winners. You think that they were coming back, and then all of a sudden, it would fall apart again. But they've kind of brought Brendan Powell in, and and it just all seems to have turned around for them. Um, you know, Fiddler on the Roof, I thought was excellent last week. We actually forgot to mention him, Dean. you, you were very keen on him. Um, and just a lot of their horses, Mister Malarkey, he—he he ran well at Ascot and uh. Boerball one. There's there's just an awful lot of very very good runs, and uh, obviously Eldorado Allen as well. So a horse like of all the gin joints, he just hasn't reached his potential or anything near it. Uh, he's a he's he's always been very highly thought of. Mikey Fogarty said in our preview night b- before that um, obviously his brother Jonathan trained this horse. Um, in the point the points, he said that this horse was one of the best horses they've had. through with our hands he absolutely loved them all together and he started off quite well he won chip chepstow and uh but just last season it just completely fell apart he was uh he was pulled up on that novices chair or in the four miler behind galvin and just everything else just went completely wrong and uh, before running quite a decent race in fifth behind happy-go-lucky he's had his uh his pipe opener last time but I think there's an awful lot more to come from this horse and off 137 at 14 to one or so uh, it's a bigger around No, 14 to one is best price there is a bit of a gamble on this horse and I just think he could well be a bit of he- a bit ahead of the handicapper especially with that yard back again um not a lot in regards to form but an awful lot there in terms of promising and that um at 14 to one off a lovely weight for informed connections I'm very happy to take a chance on them um, of all the all the gin joints.
1: Great case made, demo. I I, I I really like that idea um around of all the gin joints for the Tizard Yard. Brendan Powell is doing really well with that new association as well in the yard of flying along. I can see, I can see why you've made that case. Very well indeed. Uh, Irish Prophecy then for me and Paddy and uh some chaos uh in the mix for Kean. That is the uh, badger beer. Handicap, big one at Wicanton. Uh Back over to Aintree, fascinating little contest uh, for the Betway Hurdle there, the Class Two affair. Um, I thought we might get a slightly bigger field for this demo, but it's not short on quality. Six runners in there, brewing up a storm. Looks like they'll head the market. Somerville Boy, of course, wild about Oscar Lisnigar. Oscar, if the cap fits, who's a, a mercurial type, but could pick these up and carry him if you really fancied it. And Martello Sky.
2: Yeah, they're um, extremely talented horses who've kind of let their let the cause down at more than one point in their careers if that makes sense they're all they're all extremely talented could could win a big race on any day but when you look at the likes of brewing up a storm last season six out of six fifth out of five first out of ten first out of six and a fifth out of eleven you know it, it, it's just that's the kind of career that this horse has had because he's excellent he's a really really good horse Um, but for whatever reason he he never quite fully matches his his potential I thought this race, actually, Dean was kind of straightforward enough. Somerville Boy won this carrying 11 last season, and he'll be carrying 11 stones. So he's £4 better off with the way that this race has been framed this season. Um, and I just thought Somerville Boy, to me anyway, looked uh, he looked quite an obvious pick. Okay.
1: Keen, is it as simple as that? Uh, I don't think
3: so. I was actually quite disappointed that um, Dussart didn't uh, get declared for the race. I'd be a big fan of me him. Too. But, um... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky little race. Um, the one I came down on here was um, Dan Skelton's Wild About Oscar. Uh, he was a decent novice last year, and he absolutely bolted up at this meeting last year as well. Um, he also has some good good, good form. He beat um, the Glancing Queen by seven lengths and men condition, I reckon. Um, of the ones at the head of the market, he is the most improvement um, in him. I think Somerville Boy, he's kind of... I know Dermot said he uh, won this race last year, but he, hit, he is a bit hit and miss, and up a storm is, is quite similar so i think at the price as well about oscar is about four to one i think that's a that's a fair price
2: somerville boy tends to in fairness to him he tends to have one good run every season and it is our one proper run every season and it tends to be his reappearance yeah that's um, it but you know you couldn't trust him really good you? oh no no but oh. but on his reappearance you can like i mean it's second and then in 2019 off 182 days break and then last year obviously in 2020 240 day break and he's coming into something similar yeah like that again just seems like um, he runs uh,
3: very well fresh
2: yeah so like i think that's it's just there's one time a year to catch him mm. and he beat Chitabello last year in this race and he's four pounds lower this year so i think he's very interesting but look there's a, you can make a case literally for all six of them really can't you true yeah yeah, I,
1: I, yeah and I, i'll make one for if the cat fits you just catch this horse <laughs> uh just catch this horse fresh as you can with harry fry in form and uh, 17 to 2 looks a massive price in a field of uh, nearly souls Um, and that's that's a bit unfair someone have won lots of really good races and uh, i didn't quite mean it as it sounded but i think this might be the race where if the cap fits just uh uh, takes a few scalps but paddy you get you get a go
0: well i was going to go for the the young legs of the party here The, the mayor taking on the boys um right down the bottom lads i mean She's got a bit to do with the weights one for one. Um but if you take out the one ordinary enough run on paper anyway, but if you look through it, it wasn't actually that bad because she was only beaten just over fourteen lengths behind Tell Me Something Girl in the in the The Mayor's Novice. Apart from that, she was very, very good. A couple of a, a win at market, ra- or a couple of wins at market raising, should I say? And then at Cheltenham, um, just yeah. you know, Lucy Wadham is very, very clever. Um, places her horses very well, especially the mares. And interesting that she's happy to take on the boys here. Somerville boy for me is th- this is the time to get him. Uh, you don't get many bullets with this fella and and the ones fired early I think are his best ones obviously won this race last year but Mm -hmm. getting weighed from the boys she's much younger legs five year old I think she's going to be and deserves to be a decent price I thought Martello Sky was interesting here
1: very good and you know although you could argue outside of the field uh, in fact uh it's, it's a tight enough market outside the top one or two if we don't find um, a
2: winner this fucking race lads and we may as well pack it in <laughs> the, only <laughs> tip one, every one, horse. the only
1: one well you know i think i don't think <laughs> we actually gave a nod to bruno a storm no, us- <laughs> so if you want a forecast that's the forecast, <laughs> the forecast yeah. yeah okay let's move on to the 335 at wincanton which is the unibet elite hurdle um Kian, why don't you kick us off i mean this has got um all sorts of t- of tyranny written all over it uh Sol Royale, Goshen Belfast banter, Christopherwood sole pretender to and Hatcher uh, a couple there really tilting um but if we get Goshen like we know we get Goshen, he should be winning, but he's not even favorite because so royale is uh is so royale. what do you think
3: yeah, I think Goshen's a bit like surname last week if he runs his best he'll win, but as you say, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him uh I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be touching him at a two to one for this race. Um, Sorel looks looks solid at the top of the market. To be fair at um evens, but um the one I like is um at the prices anyway is Belfast Banter at um six to one. I know he's on his seven horses, so we don't get um three each-way places, but I still think it's a it's a fair bet. I mean he was very good at um at Cheltenham last year in in the County Hurdle, and then he went on and he won a, a graded race at at um Aintree. He's Possibly just a bit over the top at Galway, but um, I, t- I think he'll be tuned up for this. And, um, yeah, 6-1 to one is, a, is a good show to take on the favourite with.
1: Yeah, it looks a great pot for Peter Fay to send uh, Belfast banter over with Kevin Sexton on. And at 13-2, to two, when you've got question marks about uh, some of the other ones in here, I, c- I can understand that that position. Paddy, what do you make of this?
0: Crack a little race. I love the elite hurdle. Um, You know, it's such a sharp, smart run race. You can't miss a beat. Um, So Royal, I don't think, I suppose you could say, no, it it didn't really work out from over fences. But he was never really disgraced, was he? But they didn't really hang around down that route. And although I I thought maybe not everything, you know, there's only four runners in 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 the Kempton race on his return. I mean, he absolutely bolted up and you could spot him a mile out uh, that he was going to go and get the job done and it'd be interesting to see I mean he absolutely smashed um, Takane out of it didn't he in, in this race last year seven and a half lengths and I just think he's a very very high class horse saw Royal and although he's nine certainly didn't look at at Kempton three weeks ago and I think Belfast Banter, he looked beat when he tipped up at, at Listol the other day. I would love to see him bounce back. He's a cracking little horse and he's only a six-year-old. And I suppose Goshen, I mean, I know the day he won here, uh, it was horrific conditions, wasn't it? And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't very pretty to watch, but he still got the job done. But the form of the yard, I mean, they're absolutely rocking, aren't they? I'm sure. Um, uh, Gary Moore. So he's got to be confident there. Um, but, you know, it won't be for the faint-hearted and he's going to put it up to them and one thing we know, it's it's going to be a well-run race and another one, sorry, I know we've only got the seven runners but interesting to Dan Skelton is Hatcher hasn't seen a hurdle for about three years but he's a very, very strong traveller and he's probably gotten you know mark wise he's he's pretty high over fences now and i mean that was a good run two weeks ago but he's a very very strong traveller they're going to go a proper good gallop as we know here interesting to see if he's just sharp enough to lay up with these because he will for me he'll be there at the death hatcher but probably first preference here is 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 so royal for a nine year old i think he's been very well trained
1: fascinating call that on there on hatcher uh, to come and do it. Bridget Andrews arrived for Dan Skelton and uh, and of course, you know, we discussed the top end of the market. Damn out, the way I look at this race is I can't back any horse to beat Goshen and I can't back Goshen.
2: That's exactly the same. I think uh Sol Real, he he doesn't really get the respect that he deserves, does he? I mean I mean this is his level now, you know, he's just he's very, very good at this level. Um like like he's just he's just a very good horse. I mean he he beat Champ last year at Newbury over fences um obviously in the game spirit comes out this season wins over hurdles last year he won this race second to epitome uh, uh, just runs good uh, races ran well he, in the champion chase
1: you know yeah this, he's, this is he's, he's just
2: fantastic he's just a fantastic horse and 11 to 8 in this race with like like with again just as you say i'd have gotten as a clear threat um i like belfast banter but i think that grade one he got last year just just kind of wasn't that good um I think Christopher Wood is very hard to know. He he he's had an awful lot of wind surgeries now. Um, Soul Pretender. He's a very nice. He's a very likable horse. I would nearly have have him to chase home scoreal if Goshen didn't have it. Like, um, Soul Pretender on good ground is excellent. The Hatcher call is a big shout. Ducani Candy ran well in this last year, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be happy enough to leave him go. So soreal would be the one if I was forced to have a bet team, but I, I'm very happy to just watch this race. Okay, all right. Um
1: right why don't i stick with you demo anything else from the weekend that's worth picking out i will mention the breeders cup as we get um towards the the last embers of this week's podcast but um anything else from the weekend there's there's some other good races on that we didn't cover there across saturday's
2: tv excellent races in ireland um so i let paddy uh, run through the uh the readers cup on yourself but uh popular square chase which is a second season uh, novice chase um really good field here um at 120 and on saturday at nace felix de against andy Dufresne against captain guinness against darver star uh, chungaya and uh surpalette will finish out those fields but felix de against andy Dufresne, captain guinness and darver star that's that's a quality mm. enough yeah. field um i like captain guinness and that uh I remember last season stephen stephen cast ended up making which was a very good argument to back captain Guinness uh, three places in the Arkle, and he finished third um he's a good horse he, he's not at to shishkins level we know that but um as far as this race goes there really is no reason why he shouldn't go go close but that race will all all knock down to uh, to prices um as well as that the one ten on Sunday at Navin there is the Liz Mullen hurdle. This is potentially an absolute belter. I'm really enthused to see that Abercadabras is entered in this. I mentioned on the podcast, our first podcast back, that I nearly would like to see Abercadabris tried over three miles, absolutely buried and see what you know he just smacks me as that kind of horse. But you've got the likes of Mrs. Milner last season's Pertemps winner, and the uh jam man who obviously just kept winning, Sorry de Burley. It's a really, really good race and of course flooring porter as well so the liz mullen herder could be very good but, but again we don't have have declarations there yet and then the last race just to kind of uh sum up before i give a pick or two elsewhere is of course the uh, four chase which is another two mile chase uh, kind of weird why that's on this weekend as well but uh, notebook again sam crow you've got loads of uh quality horses so yeah in yeah, Ireland, lo- loads of brilliant races altogether. but the yeah the few horses that i've kind of i'm interested in there's 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 only one really uh who's really grabbed my attention here it's a very good race the um, 155 on saturday at nace the uh, the brown lad handicap hardly. we've got Damalis who improved all around him last season mark Walsh has uh has seemingly plumped for him this race is full of horses that could be well handicapped like you like if you look at the big lens there um second from the bottom uh, this horse is rated 138 over fences, but 117 over hurdles with Jordan Gameford booked. So you only imagine what sort of a gamble is coming there for Gordon Elliott. But this horse has been gambled before. I think he could end up taking up a bit of the market, as uh, wise guys might end up picking him. But his he he jumps a hurdle like I would, I'd say. He's just absolutely terrible over them. So <laughs> um, the one that I'm very interested in here is Dunbine. Uh Runs here off Levenstone 1. Will get a decent enough price. I just know nothing about the jockey, Miss Georgie Benson um absolutely nothing she claims seven pounds which is extremely interesting gordon elliott tends to associate himself only with very good jockeys but i don't know whether she knows the owner or what the situation is there she only seems to have had three rides ever and one of them was second but i i, I don't even really know um in what circumstances are or, or <laughs> kind of how how it all went but this horse is is decently handicapped i mean was 14 then second to bob ollinger last season um Fourth behind Volcano, third behind Clondas Secret. Uh, beat um beat Mercury Lane then a Turles over two mile seven when really looking like an absolute all out stare. but still that was really interesting. Meticulous back in third there, he's a decent horse, I feel. Kind of blew up a bit at Ferry House, but I would forgive that. Gordon Ellis' horses are absolutely flying. And I think the buying, Dunn buying here could end up being a decent price. If uh, you have a lot of a lot of faith in this young jockey. I know nothing at all about her but i'm willing to give her a chance here and um in a race like that where there will be a lot of fancied horses that there will be decent money in this contest i think she's uh extreme or sorry he's extremely interesting Dunboyne there
1: Dunboyne, in a neighboring village to me where i live in ratos and there won't be an independent with its shops open now after, <laughs> uh, after that rant from dermo um okay nice one i i enjoyed that thank you very much Um kian before me and paddy have a little uh jaunts across maybe a couple of the, the races at the Breeders' Cup. Uh what else did you pick out from the weekend?
3: Yeah, I think uh Dermo got a lot covered there, fair play. Uh just two horses that were in the tracker, uh one at Fontwell tomorrow in the 1240 horse course called World of Dreams. Uh he bolted up in two bumpers and he was well supported and in uh found plenty of trouble in the graded bumper at Aintree. but was still uh, ran on well to finish fifth behind Napers so I think he's a fair horse. And in the first race at Aintree on Saturday, a horse trained by uh, Henry Daly called Hillcrest, he's uh, he shown a really good attitude in um, both his bumpers. And I think to step up to two mile four, I think he'll take the uh, the world of beating in the first race at Aintree on Saturday. So, yeah, that's it for me.
1: Nice one, Keen. And um, there is a cracking contest at Sandown on Sunday, which is the intermediate um, chase there, where Chantry House could take on Secret Reprieve, Alna Dan, the Big Breakaway, the Mighty Don, and Domaine Zeal. I'm really interested to see the Big Breakaway back uh, after that fall um, last time, which was that about four weeks ago. And of course, Chantry House, which is everyone's hips this horse for the Gold Cup this year. That should be fascinating. Paddy, you can talk about that if you want, or anything else. Or we can uh, we can have a quick ramble over the Breeders' Cup. Although, um, for me, it's more showbiz than uh, than punting biz.
0: There was just a couple of quick ones tomorrow, Dino at Warwick. Um, yeah. Edward Stone makes his debut over fences. Very, very exciting horse this. Um, I think it's, it's taken. We've not always seen the best of him. He over races at times, and and just doesn't always give himself every chance. But I think he's grown up an awful lot over the last year. I mean, he's he's seven, rising eight now. Edward Stone. I think there's only five runners in the race, but that will be one to watch because for me. A horse who's disappointed badly uh, takes him on here in Nicholson, but one day he's 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 going to pop up. Um, but looking forward to seeing him tomorrow. And then in the bumper, I thought it was a very interesting one as well. That the the um, where has he gone here again? He's got a very. I actually put his name into Google Translate earlier. Um, <laughs> Shabby Shaw Duportois of Philip Hobbs is in the bumper. Yeah. Uh, very well there Paddy. what does it very mean? well well do you know what even google Translate couldn't get its head round it and it, <laughs> it, it was just it? like it, when i it pronounced it it sounded french but it wasn't giving me a translation <laughs> um but th- this is a mare by marteline and i'd imagine sam whaley cohen has got something to do with the ownership or breeding but out of a right. very very good mare called tadara angel now, this is a bumper i think will uh, would be worth watching back again. Plenty of them making their debuts, but that could be interesting now in the, in in the bumper tomorrow. But pretty decent card at, at Warwick tomorrow.
1: Yep. And then um, when Paddy Aspel talks about a bumper horse to, to keep an eye on, it's always worth doing. that a couple of crackers from last season, and uh, including Ella bell who's actually got beat, I think, on on hurdles.
0: Got beat today. today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: got beat today that is still um a mare that will go places, though. um I haven't seen the race. I can't opine on uh, on what happened today well the breeders cup paddy something you're uh, super fond of is it uh, uh, i mean it's, it's a highlight showbiz wise around racing isn't it the, the razzmatazz with it and the, the time when the europeans like myself uh, get to listen to some of that fantastic american commentary and, the, and they go to the wire all that stuff i love all that but uh, finding a winner there is dead hard
0: it is for sure, and I think, look, it's like even when we get round to the arc and stuff like that, You know, the draw is massive. Um, yeah. it's, it's an absolute killer at times. Unfortunately, Tarnawa, as we know, is out pretty deep in 13, but she's a very, very good mare, and, and Colin Keane is very grateful to get the leg back up on her, and great to see him on her again mm-hmm. here to try and get a, a repeat in this race. But I was maybe going to take her on, and a horse that isn't drawing all that much better, but in Yabir who I thought Spencer was absolutely magnificent on in Belmont the last day I mean a proper Spencer ride you know where he comes round yes. everybody and he just cuts the face off everybody else in the race absolutely on the line of getting a ban but just finishes their race in a matter of a stride but in the end look he cleared away and he, he and, and he got the job done very very nicely and he's a little bit unpredictable but he's arriving here you know in search of a hat trick and Although stall ten certainly isn't ideal. Um interesting that, you know, the, the the Appleby team have sent them over and they've got a very, very strong team and they'll be very disappointed if they don't come back with a winner or maybe two. Um sure. lo- looking forward to this, it's it's a cracker, but I am I'm, I'm, I'm like you, Dino. It is there's plenty of razzmatazz with it, but you know, it's on terrestrial T V this time round and you know, I think it'll 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 probably um be quite popular.
1: Uh, look, if, if people are listening to this, haven't watched it before, I'd be surprised. But it's something you almost got to watch. Like, it is great, great TV Um tanawa is what seven or four i think to repeat the feet there got a tricky draw of 13 out of 14 that's not going to be easy at all uh don mclean of course who writes a bit for bookmakers.co.uk you can find his horses to follow there has put up three europeans to note for the breeders cup go check it out on the website and uh, tanawa is on that list but there's a 12 to 1 shot in the breeders cup mile and a six to one chance in the breeders cup fill in their but i'm not going to do your homework for you go and have a look at it on the website um lads we need naps for the weekend um The two lads who've just had a breather there. Dem, I'll come to you first. Don't steal mine.
2: No, you can have Pylon. Um, Well, we
1: could both tip it and I'll just call it Um, Pylon.
2: Do you know what I will go with? Actually at at the prices, I think he's, he's going to improve a lot this season. Um, of all the gin joints in the uh, the Badger Alice's beers uh, chase, please do ah get it
1: all done in one go. I love that. Okay, so of all the gin joints in the Badger Beer Sixtieth handicap chase, I think it's called. Um, mine as uh, as people will have just guessed now is Pileon in that first race, the one hundred and eight to Aintree, um, on Saturday. Keen, uh, you're up next. Uh,
3: yeah, the horse I just mentioned. Uh, the first race at Aintree on Saturday, um, Hillcrest. We've no prices yet, but he's forecast there to be eleven to four. I'm not sure how racket that is, but um. Yeah, I think he'll take the world of beating in the first race at Aintree uh, on Saturday.
1: You'd be happy enough at eleven to four, keen as well.
3: Yeah, you? yeah, be a decent, decent bet now.
1: Very good. And Paddy, give us your best of the weekend. Well,
0: look, lads, I'm gonna have to go Dave Maxwell nap here.
1: Oh, the tiger! Jeez. Oh,
0: oh <laughs> Jesus Christ! I might have to. We
1: might have hey, to get
2: hey, an old any,
1: fucking any horse jumping those fences with tiger in the name's gonna be all right. Like
2: yeah. If anyone notices that Paddy Aspel's Twitter profile has gone very quiet, it's because we had the fucker sectioned. That's why. <laughs> you know, if he doesn't turn up for his William Hill shift now, we're just warning <laughs> everyone now.
0: <laughs> I, I think he's absolutely great for the game, Dave Maxwell. And more, lads, I just hope he wins because I want that interview afterwards because, you know... Uh, he's brilliant, isn't he? He's a legend. Yes, he's, he's, absolutely yes. legend. he's great value. Um, I'm just honestly, I'll be absolutely staring at the TV and I'll be just willing him if he's there in the hunt, turning in, sit still, David, sit still and hopefully just get this horse home because he's shown an aptitude for jumping the fences. He's got plenty of ability. yarder in form. He goes well fresh. Um, So I just think he's ticked all the boxes there. We just need Dave Maxwell to be on his A game. Love it.
1: What a great way to end the podcast. Let's hope that happens. Um, That would be superb. Okay, that's Cat Tiger um, in the Sefton. All right. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for coming on uh, the Race Hour podcast this week, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Check out Demos' article there about the BHA and Bryony Frost and and the Dunn saga, of course. Um, And uh, do check out Don's thoughts on the Breeders' Cup. And uh, thank you to Keen Kirby, Paddy Aspel, and Dermot Nolan. Uh, We'll be back next week. But for now, we'll leave you all alone.
0: You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk, your best bet for tips, news, and bookmaker reviews.